You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 1067. Appreciate you being with us. Another sunny, beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Lots to get to on the show today. Got some basketball to get to. We'll take a look around the SEC at results from over the weekend, standings as they are right now, and what's coming up this week around college basketball. Also, we've got some massive college football news that we got to talk about with the college football playoff being adjusted, being adapted, being changed today, and uh, excited to, to get to that as well. Plus, Double D, Daryl Daprich will be with us coming up in hour number two. He'll join us at 3.15 for 30 minutes in hour number two. He'll take up most of the time, and we are excited for that. So that'll be coming up at 3.15. Until then, phone lines are open. What's on your mind? How are you feeling? What do you want to talk about on this Tuesday afternoon? 334-321-1390. That number again to get you through to me. 334-321-1390. We've got Auburn High School basketball going on right now over on 96.3 W. Lee with our good friend Jack Hutton. Girls and boys both in the Elite Eight. So uh, if you want to flip back and forth, I recommend you do that. Don't be gone too long, but definitely go check out Auburn High School basketball on 96.3 W. Lee had uh, Lee Scott baseball. Our first broadcast last night was over on Tiger Country 104.5. So excited to get that season underway. And Auburn High baseball softball season. I believe our first broadcast for softball is Thursday. Baseball will be next week trying to balance all of that with postseason basketball in our high school sports coverage. So lots going on here around the Auburn Network's family of stations, and we appreciate you being with us and tuning in for all of that. But here on the show today, again, so much to get to, and I want to start off the show looking around the SEC and college basketball, looking around what's been happening, what's been going on. I know we talked a lot about Auburn and Kentucky yesterday. And we talked a lot about what that game was and what's happening moving forward and where Auburn goes from here. But what's happening around Auburn? What's happening in this conference in the SEC as we get down to the last five or six games of the year? You remember that Auburn is now in their so-called bye week uh, where they have no midweek game. They played this past Saturday and they will not play again until this coming Saturday. And... You start looking at the at the conference standings, it's not looking good for Auburn. It's not. It's not looking good. The loss on Saturday definitely didn't help. Uh, the loss against Florida was not helpful either. And the problem is Auburn still has to play Tennessee. Now, that's a problem, but it's also a good thing because – Yes, you have to play Tennessee. Yes, you're at Tennessee if you're Bruce Pearl and Auburn basketball. But it is the number two team in the SEC, a team that you only trail by half a game. So if you win that one, you would overtake them. You'd have the better record. I guess it'd be the same record, but you'd have the tiebreaker. So then you'd be in the number two spot. You'd also have the tiebreaker over South Carolina. You'd have the extra win there as of right now, but that's for a little bit later. The biggest problem, the biggest issue, is the fact that Alabama is up top 
at 10 and 2 overall. Tennessee 9 and 3, Auburn 9 and 4, South Carolina 9 and 4, Florida and Kentucky both 8 and 4. You have Alabama at the top at 10 and 2. They're a game ahead of Tennessee and they're a game and a half ahead of Auburn. Now, you do have the split, so there's no tiebreaker there. But Alabama's got a good chance to just keep on winning. And you compare their end of the schedule to everybody else, it's still tough. There's no doubts. Alabama is home versus Florida tomorrow, who is now a top 25 team in the country, in case you did not see the newest AP poll. They're ranked 24th in the country. So they host Florida tomorrow. Then they're at Kentucky this Saturday, 3 o'clock on CBS. Then they're at Ole Miss. They host number 5 Tennessee, and they're at number 24 Florida before they welcome in Arkansas in the final game of the year. That's not an easy schedule. And it's fair to say that out of all of those games for the Alabama Crimson Tide, out of the last six games they have, there's a good chance they probably lose one of those. Auburn needs them to lose a couple of those. And I think your best chances are at Kentucky, home for Tennessee, and at Florida. I think that is a realistic expectation is out of those three, Nate Oates and his squad will lose one. And Auburn really needs them to win or lose two. And at that point, I don't know. Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, they could lose three or two of those. They're a really tough team to beat at home. So Florida may be walking into a hornet's nest tomorrow night. And I don't think Arkansas is going to get it done. And Ole Miss can't run with that Alabama team, even in Oxford. So Auburn definitely needs some help. But Auburn's got to start winning again, too. And Auburn's got to go on a little bit of a streak. Because if all these teams keep winning, Auburn's not going to win the SEC regular season title. And some people may not be concerned with that. Some people may not be worried about that. I think it still means something. I think it means a lot. It means a lot to be the regular season SEC champ, no doubt about it. Now, it doesn't get you a whole lot when it comes to postseason, doesn't mean a whole lot when it comes to postseason, but it's still something to be celebrated that we've had the chance to celebrate before with this Auburn program. I disagree with the fact that the SEC and the conference tournament champion, not just the SEC, but the conference tournament champion is the one that gets in the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. I think that's dumb. Why are you rewarding a team for getting hot over a four-day span rather than rewarding the team that was the best all season long? I don't, I've never gotten that. I don't get it. And if you're somebody that agrees with the fact that it should go to the conference tournament champion, let's talk it out. I'm curious on what the defense is on that. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just want to know what people think. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to play two and a half months of of conference basketball for it to not really mean a whole lot. I know you get the standings and the rankings and you get the seedings in the conference tournament, and if you get top four, you get the double bye and you don't play until the quarterfinals. I get that. But if you're not rewarding the best team all season long, then why are we playing all season long? Let's just play a one-week tournament and let's go with it. Let's run. 
Why not? I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And so that's why a lot of people have gotten, I guess, unconcerned or not really worried about the the SEC regular season title. And it's more about just getting in the top four of the SEC by when it's all said and done. And I think Auburn's got a great chance to do that. Like they got a really good chance to do that. If they handle business down the stretch, which is at Georgia, at Tennessee, home for Mississippi State, at Missouri, and home for Georgia. Now, you would feel pretty good in four of those five games. You should. Georgia's kind of going the wrong way. Mississippi State is plateaued. Missouri, just not a good team. And then you go on the road at Tennessee in a couple of weeks. I guess about eight days from today. That's a tough game. And that's a game that Auburn has not won in a long time. It's a game that they struggle to play in Thompson Bowling. And the last time they went up there, yours truly was in in the building, and they lost because that's just what happens when I go and watch Auburn play. And I'm not going to tell you where I'll be this Saturday. So you feel good about the last five games, at least four of them. And if Auburn only loses one more, and you look at the rest of the standings, that would put them at 14-5. and five. Or 13-5, and five. be 13-5. and five. You'd be 13-5, and five, and you'd feel pretty good about that being in the top four spot. But what happens if South Carolina gets hot again? With the end of their schedule, it's doable. Ole Miss, A&M, home for Florida, home for Tennessee at Mississippi State. South Carolina could do it. They could absolutely do it. We know they're a good team. What happens if Florida goes on a tear? Because they've got a chance to do so. With Alabama, twice. South Carolina, plus... The Gators have two games against Vanderbilt and a game against Missouri. There's three wins right there. There's three out of six. And then they take down Alabama once, upset South Carolina. I mean, there's still a lot to be decided here in the SEC. And just looking at it realistically, it's Alabama's to lose. But I just don't think it's all that. I mean, it's okay. We want Auburn to win that. And I I know Auburn fans want it to be and want to win the SEC regular season championship. But at this point, it's about winning your games, getting top four in the conference, and fixing your issues. Because Auburn still has those issues. They do. They absolutely do. When they're great, they're great. And when they're not, they're not. And that's what Uncle T-Bone and I talked about yesterday was this team is so reliant on one another when somebody's hot and when somebody's playing well, they all play well. They all are hot and nobody can stop them. That's when they drop 100 points at a conference game and they win by 40. But when one guy is off, the whole team is off and they can't scratch 60 in their own building. That's absurd to me. And it's not just because of lack of three-point shooting like we've seen in previous teams and previous seasons in other SEC teams. It really seems to be just a mindset issue at times. And that is extremely frustrating to watch. Because, look, 
I said it yesterday and I'll say it again today. I'm struggling to put it into words. I'm struggling to find a defense for it because I can't explain it. I don't know. This isn't a team that's just a streaky shooting team or a consistently okay team. Like The highs are high, but man, the lows are low. And it's not, and I know the shooting has a lot to do with it, but again, this isn't the Alabamas of the world where they shoot 53s and hope they go in. This is layups, dunks, jump shots, free throws, ball movement, rebounding, effort. All of those things are hit or miss. It's a flip of a coin every single night. It's 50 50 whether you're going to get elite Auburn. Or mediocre Auburn. There's no in-between. And you have no idea which one you're going to get. Because look at the last couple of games. Look at the last couple of games. Second half versus Ole Miss. Yeah, you got it. Alabama, you got it. Florida, didn't get it. South Carolina, you got it. And Kentucky, You didn't get it. And I'm not just saying that because of the results. I'm not just saying that because of the win and the loss. Look at how much you won by and how much you lost by. You beat Ole Miss 91-77. You beat them by 14. You beat Alabama by 17. You then lose to Florida by 16. You beat South Carolina by 40. And you lose to Kentucky by 11. There's not a single... There's not a one game in there that's a single point game. That's just so weird to me. To where it's we're going to dominate you or you're going to dominate us. We're not going to play in a close game. We're not going to play in a make or break game. And you haven't had that since the Mississippi State and Alabama losses back to back. Back in late January. Almost a month. And I don't understand it. And before those, you had big wins over Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, LSU, A&M, Arkansas. So I don't understand where we are as a team. I don't understand where this team is. You look at SEC play, and if I'm correct here, there have only been two games in conference play that Auburn has been a part of. Only two games that were single-digit results. That's wild. That is unbelievable. They have played how many? 13 SEC games, is that right? 13 SEC games, and only two of them have been single-digit results. That is, cons- that is just undoubtedly inconsistent. Which means, again, your highs are extremely high and your lows are extremely low. How do you fix that? I don't know. And the question that we could all ask ourselves, it doesn't really matter, I guess, but would you rather it be that way? Would you rather walk in, would you rather your team walk into a game and say, okay, we're either going to win by 20 or lose by 20, there's no in between, or would you rather your team, as you are a fan, would you rather go into it thinking, okay, this could go either way, but we're going to have a 40-minute ball game? How do you feel about that? I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a I think that's a weird conversation but an interesting one.
And we can discuss that. As a fan, would you rather it be you either are going to win by a lot or lose by a lot or go in knowing it's going to be competitive and it'll come down to the wire? And that's what Auburn has is the first one. And that's frustrating to watch at times. It can be extremely fun, but it can also be really, really frustrating. Let's get to our first break here in hour number one. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back. You can be a part of it as well. 334-321-1390. The Tuesday edition of On the Line continues after this. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. I'm your man Jacob Goins with you for the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. And you start looking around college basketball for what happened last night, what's coming up this week. Again, Auburn, no midweek game, uh, but there is still some really good college basketball, a lot of uh, important college basketball. Auburn baseball in action tonight. We'll get to that in just a second. You had... Believe it or not, you had a top 10 matchup in college basketball last night. And not common to get that on a Monday. You'll get some decent games sometimes. But you had number six, Iowa State. Yeah, in case you didn't know, the Cyclones, number six team in the country, where they come from. They're number six in the country. They go on the road to number two, Houston, which another reminder, that's a conference game now. Remember, Houston is a Big 12 team. And so... That is a huge conference game last night in college basketball, and Iowa State falls to Houston 73-65. to You had Virginia Tech just smash Virginia 75-41. I mean, it was a brutal, brutal game. It's almost, it's almost like that brand of basketball just doesn't work a whole lot of times. Isn't that crazy? You still have to score to win. Wild concept, I know. And that was kind of it. I mean, you had Texas-Kansas State last night, too. But coming up tonight in college basketball, really good games. You get the SEC back in town and back in action. Tennessee on the road at Missouri, okay, shouldn't be a problem uh, for, for the Vols. How about a game that before the season and at the start of the season was going to be a really, really good one, and I just don't know what it's going to be tonight. And it doesn't really matter, which is so crazy Arkansas on the road at Texas A&M. Two teams that have really disappointed, honestly. I mean, Arkansas 12 and 13 on the year, 3 and 9 in the SEC, A&M 15 and 10, 6 and 6 in the SEC. I mean, that game other than seeding somewhere in the SEC tournament just doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, you've got top 25 action tonight, number one, UConn, and number 15, Creighton in the Big East, my favorite conference. How about another top 25 matchup tonight, number 11, Baylor, on the road at number 25, BYU. That is also a conference matchup in the Big 12. So, good basketball tonight. And then tomorrow, uh, you look ahead around the country, and especially in the SEC, it's Florida at Alabama tomorrow on ESPN2, number 24, Florida, at number 13, Alabama. My problem is this. Do we have any confidence in almost any SEC team to go to Coleman Coliseum and get a win? Like, do we have any confidence in that? Because guess what? Nobody's done it yet. Nobody's gone in there and beaten them in conference play yet. 
I know they've got a couple of losses there, but nothing in conference play. And that's a game where Auburn fans ought to be wearing wearing their uh, blue and orange in the in the Florida shade and, and doing the gator chop because Auburn, like we talked about, Auburn needs Florida to get hot a little bit. And they got two shots at Alabama, and if they can go and beat them on the road, that'd be a huge accomplishment. So that's a game tomorrow, but I just don't... Florida can't hang with Alabama. They can't do it. They don't have the offense to do it. Because we know how good Alabama plays in that building, and they shoot lights out in there. There's a good chance they drop 85 to 90 points on Florida tomorrow night, I think. So the Gators are ranked right now, but not sure how long that's going to last. And, you know, you look around, you got Georgia Vanderbilt, yikes. You have Kentucky at LSU, okay. Ole Miss, Mississippi State tomorrow, whatever. I mean, it. the SEC has really become top-heavy, which is unfortunate because it had a chance to be really good and it had a chance to be a really deep conference. It's just not anymore. Not this season, anyway. And it's not one of the top conferences in college basketball. The top is really good, and it's crazy to say that because we've got six teams in the top 25 right now. But how confident are you in Florida and South Carolina to go and play somebody from the Big 12 or the Big 10 neutral site, Big 12 specifically, the Big 12 neutral site and get a win? I don't know. I don't feel great about it. I'd feel good with Kentucky after what they did this weekend, but they're still kind of wishy-washy. They're still kind of hit or miss sometimes. We know Tennessee, they're going to crumble like a piece of paper in the postseason. Alabama, probably the same way. And Auburn, we've got our own issues. So while the SEC's got six teams in the top 25, I don't know how confident I am in any of them right now when it comes to postseason play. That's concerning to me. That's very, very concerning to me. On the baseball side of things, quickly before we get to a bottom of the hour break, we got football to talk about when we come back. But Auburn baseball back in action tonight. They are at home hosting UAB in the midweek. This is an area last year where Auburn got tripped up a little bit. Jacob Hillman talked about this yesterday when we had him on from the Auburn Sports Network. It's a place where Auburn was a little rocky a year ago where the midweek non-conference games. And Auburn plays good non-conference teams. They've got UAB in the midweek. You have Sanford in the midweek. You play a lot of these in-state teams. Troy later on, South Alabama, Jacksonville State. You play all these really good teams in the midweek. Alabama State, you'll play them later. Georgia Tech, Florida A&M, right? You play all these teams in the midweek. But Auburn is going up against some teams that have some serious talent. And it all goes back to that same topic of conversation. Those teams are getting better. Those teams have better talent. And there's a reason programs like Auburn Baseball are poaching those teams and going for their players because there's good talent there. But Auburn has to be able to find a way and get those midweek game wins. Those are ones you're supposed to not take a day off, but not stress as much. You shouldn't have to be throwing your best, best guys. You shouldn't have to worry about scoring eight to nine runs to win the game. You're looking to develop and and kind of get another win under your belt and just stay fresh before you play another weekend series. And last year, Auburn had to work in the midweek. 
We'll see if they have to do that tonight. They're hosting UAB. Six o'clock, first pitch on airtime, 545 over on Wings, 94-3. And when we come back, huge college football news that dropped today regarding the college football playoff. We'll talk about that on the other side here on ESPN 1067. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067. A reminder that Daryl Dapridge, Double D, will be joining us coming up in hour number two at 315. So looking forward to having him on, talking all things Auburn basketball, baseball. We got, hey, spring practice for football begins a week from today. So we'll be able to talk about all of that with Double D coming up in hour number two. Phone lines are still open, though. Give me a call. You can come in and be a part of the show, 334 321-1390. Some big news today that broke about the college football playoff. It is now moving to the five plus seven model, the five and seven model. Okay. It's improving and it's going to that starting this coming season. The college football playoff managers voted to change the format of the playoff this week, this morning. And I'm going to read you some stuff from the article on cbssports.com and it says the college football playoff board of managers met tuesday and unanimously approved a change to the 12-team format flipping one spot previously reserved for a conference champion into an at-large bid the new model which will feature five automatic qualifiers for the highest ranked conference champions plus seven at-large bids so five plus seven right the five highest ranked conference champions plus seven at-large bids uh it was approved by the by the college football playoff and the the board of managers with all those you know fancy people on there that get to make all the big decisions right it was a it was at first it was the six plus six model when the 12-team playoff was released, this was December of 22, it was 6 plus 6. It was going to be your six conference champions, and then six were going to be the at-large bids, right? Now, you've got the five highest-ranked conference champions, and you have the other seven are going to be at-large bids. And... What this does, in my opinion, and I want to hear what you have to say. What do you think about this new change? Do you like it? Do you not like it? I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. This is a big, big change because now you get more of those at-large bids. And just initially, I think this takes even more away from conference championship games because now if you're not one of the highest ranked conference champions based off of what the playoff committee decides okay who cares there's still seven at-large bids remaining and I want to keep reading some of this for you just to kind of explain it and I'm on the ESPN article now this was written by Heather Denich at ESPN 
just talking about what this is going to do and kind of what this is going to look like. And the reason this is just now happening is because the Pac-12 basically was asking for some permission and asking for the committee to to delay. They were asking them to kind of hold off for a minute because they didn't know what the heck was going to happen to the Pac-12. And that's a whole separate situation that we can get into in just a little bit. But they were basically saying, hey, while we figure our stuff out, can we hold off on trying to change the format of the college football playoffs? And so here's how this is going to work, according to the ESPN article. It says, in most years... The 5-plus-7 format will assure the conference champions from the SEC, the Big Ten, Big 12, and ACC a spot in the playoff most years, along with the highest-ranked group of five conference champion. All right, you've got the AAC and all those other ones, right? The college football playoff intentionally won't refer to the group of five in its description of the format because there is a chance that a champion from one of the Power Four conferences finishes ranked below the top champion from the American Athletic Conference, Conference USA, the Mountain West, Sun Belt, or the Mid-American Conference. All right, that's straight from Heather Dennis's article kind of explaining all of this. And here's an example. She does a really good job here. It says, in 2021, for example, when undefeated number four Cincinnati was the AAC champion, ACC champion Pitt finished at number 12 with two losses. In the 12-team format, the four highest-ranked conference champions will receive a first-round bye. So, while this is a big change, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC will be represented every year, there's a good chance that that will be the case. But then, it's the next highest conference champion, next highest-rated conference champion, And then it's everybody else, the non-champions that are rated the highest. And so what this means is you could have, let's say, the Big 12 champ who is technically ranked, I don't know, eight, but then they're going to get that automatic in because they were the highest rated conference champion. And while this is all great, it's still all determined by the playoff committee they still get to decide who they think is the best and where who they think should be rated higher than anybody else because you can have a LSU SEC champion per se and you could have a Michigan Big Ten champ, but one of them's going to be rated higher than the other. But let's say that there's, for whatever reason, a team, yeah, out of the AAC who's ranked higher than the ACC champion, or whatever the case may be, then you're going to have confusion and arguments there too. And then it's like, all right, well, who's the best non-conference champions? And you got to find the seven ones of those. Like, I get it. I get it that this is supposed to kind of open it up a little bit and I guess make it a little bit more reasonable. I don't know. I don't know, but we're still relying on a group of people that believe they're higher than others, that believe they're better than others, that are behind closed doors, and we've already been proven that they don't have to defend their decisions. They don't have to defend it. 
Because what are we going to do? There's nothing we can do. They make their call, and that's pretty much it. So you can win your conference championship, sure. And there's a good chance if you're from, let's say, the SEC, and Auburn in particular, there's a good chance you're going to get in. But what happens if you don't? Then you're hoping you're in one of those seven. That's when you start talking about strength of schedule, best wins, strength of record, all that type of stuff. That's when all of that conversation comes to play. That's when playing in the SEC means something. That's when playing in the Big Ten means something. That's when playing in the Big 12 might mean something. I don't know. Because you have two of their best teams leaving and coming to the SEC. So, uh, again, it just... I get it, and it's cool that they're changing it, and I'm excited for the 12-team playoff. I am. But it's still going to come down to what they decide is best. And at the end of the day, that 13th team is still going to be upset. They're still going to be mad. And you already know that all types of you know what's going to be raised because somebody's going to be upset because they're on the outside looking in. And it's going to be a learning process. It's going to take some time to figure this thing out and to truly understand what's important, which games matter, which ones don't. And that's going to take a little time. But this is a very interesting development as of today. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Dak, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, buddy. Yeah, so to me... When they put the conference championship word in there, it tells me that they're trying to keep SEC from getting three or four teams in there. Why can it not be the top 12 teams? Because now, think about it like we are in in baseball. There's always going to be five, maybe even seven teams competing to go to the College World Series in baseball. Mm-hmm. But to me, they tagged it with conference championship to, to, to eliminate us getting possibly three teams, possibly even two teams in it. Think about it. Why would they not just say the top 12 teams? Yeah, I mean, they want other conferences represented. There's no doubt about it. They, they absolutely want a Big Ten team in there. They want a Big 12 team in there, an ACC. They want that. There's right. no doubt. Right. Right, but if if a Big Ten team wins their conference and an SEC team wins their conference, they're obviously going to be ranked in the top five or six. Mm-hmm. You see where I'm going with it? I do, but and, and what I'll say to that is I don't think the conference champion thing has nothing to do with the SEC Big Ten. I think it has everything to do with those other conferences to be I, I, oh, I agree. represented. I agree. You know what I mean? Yes, and, 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 and another part of it is to keep us getting possibly three things in it. So you, you don't think the playoff committee wants more SEC teams in? You still there, Mark? I may have lost you. Well, okay, we may have lost. lost. Oh, there you go. I, I got you now. It. Yep, I got you now, man. All right, what was your comment? I, I couldn't hear you. I was asking, so you think the playoff committee doesn't want more SEC teams in? I think they've put that language in there to keep the keep us from getting multiple teams in it. Yes. Hmm. See, I I think I have to disagree with you because I think the SEC and the Big Ten, those two have already proven that they are the ones that bring in the money. 
And I think when it comes down to it and it's those seven other teams and the non-conference champions, there's a good chance it's a heavy dosage of the Ole Misses of the world and the Tennessees of the world and the LSUs. And then on the other side, it's the Ohio States and the Michigan States and the Wisconsins. You know what I mean? That's where I see this going. I really do. Yeah, I I do agree with that. I do. But I I just don't understand, though, the – the bottom line is is to get the top 12 teams in the playoff. Yeah. Why can't the language just be that? The, the top 12 teams ranked right well, it, are in the playoffs. It comes back to the argument of is it the 12 best teams or the 12 most deserving teams, right? That's the argument that we're still trying to decipher that we can't get a clear answer on. Yeah. Which yeah. is frustrating. It, it's not, basically nothing has changed. It, that's how I see it, to be completely honest. Yeah. I mean, that's they've changed the wordage and they've changed the qualification, but like, just because you're a the one of the highest rated conference champions doesn't necessarily mean you're one of the best in college football because of the parity that we've seen right. from the SEC Big Ten versus everybody else. Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, just think, just think if baseball was like this. Oh, it'd be a disaster. I mean, oh, my God. It would be a disaster, would oh, it? Oh, it'd be horrible. Oh, I mean, you could put all SEC teams in, from baseball in the NCAA tournament, and you'd have the best teams in the country. That's right. And see, that's my point about what the language they've used, especially now that Texas and Oklahoma is going to be in the SEC. I, you know, and I get it. They, they do want these lower division guys to, or the lower schools uh, not in the Power Five to have a chance to be in it but I also think they don't want three teams from the SEC in it as well yeah and and we're going to find out and that's why I was saying right before you hopped on here it's going to be an experiment it's going to be a learning curve to see what exactly the playoff committee truly wants do they want more SEC or Big Ten or kind of like you're talking about maybe they're trying to split it up and and maybe they are going to have a little bit of parity I don't know yeah because think about this think about last season Okay, and let's say this new rule was in for last year. Mm-hmm. How many SEC teams would have been in it? Numerous. Think about it. Yeah, numerous. Yeah. I mean, you would have had probably, yeah, Ole Miss, Georgia. I mean, LSU probably had an argument near the end. So Yeah, Georgia, yeah. I mean, you had at least three, if not four, mm-hmm. for sure. Exactly. And, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, we're going to find you, out. Uh, all right, guys, man. Have a good one. Hey, thanks for the call, Dak. 334 334- Three two one thirteen ninety, and he's right. He's absolutely right. It's just, I don't know. It's so weird, and the language is different, and they're changing it up. And I just don't know. I don't know if this is a good or bad thing. I haven't had enough time to really take it all in and break it all down. I was doing some, you know, my prep and research and stuff before the show, but without being able to fully see it on paper just yet and see it play out in a college football season I don't know if it's a good thing or not we don't know what a 12-team playoff looks like we've never seen it in college football we don't know if it's good or not we don't know if it's going to benefit the sport or if it's going to hurt the sport is this real is this the one end-all be-all solution to truly crown the proper college football champion? Is this going to be the thing that makes everybody happy where there's no complaints at the end of the season on who got in and who got out and who the champion is? No. And we'd be stupid to think that's the the case. 
Because there is no right answer. There's not. There's no right answer. But as I told Dak, the question that still remains, that apparently it's just too hard to answer. Apparently this is just, it's the trigonometry question of the century that nobody can give a correct answer to. What is it about? Is it the best team? The best teams should be in? Or the most deserving teams should be in? There's arguments for both sides. There's arguments both ways. And if you start talking about the best teams, yeah, that's who you want is to be in the, in the, in the playoff, is, are the best teams available. That makes the most sense, right? Because the best teams should be the one that win. But the best team doesn't always win, do they? And on the flip side, if it should be the most deserving They may not be the best teams day in and day out, but they won the games to prove it in that instance. And if you're not going to put a deserving team in, then why play the games, right? You can see both sides. We've had these arguments before. We've had these discussions for months and years now. That answer just cannot, we can't get it. We can't get that answer. And this 5 plus 7 model, it's going to be interesting. It really is. Let me give you this before we get to break. In this format, okay, the, and this is from The Athletic. This is a really good explanation here. The top four conference champions are going to receive a first-round bye with the number five team. So that fifth top-ranked conference champion will be playing the number 12 team, the last team in. And then it's a normal bracket from here. Number six will face number 11, number seven will face number 10, and number eight will face number nine. Five through eight would host the first round at their respective schools, at their campus. And the New Year's Six Bowls would then host the quarterfinals and the semifinals, just how you see the rotation for the New Year's Six go right now. So, there's benefits to both here, honestly. And let's talk about that when we come back and as we get in to hour number two. We got to get to our final break. We ran long. Dak, thanks so much for calling in, man. Would love to get other people's thoughts on this. 334 321 1390. We'll wrap up hour number one hour number one after this. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Couple of more minutes here in hour number one on ESPN 1067. And to give you a better idea of what this five plus seven model is going to, to look like, um, here's how it's going to go. All right. Here's what it would have looked like in 2023, this past playoffs. I know we're about to get to a break. This was a, a, a quick segment here. But in the five plus seven model this past season, here's what it would have looked like. All right. Number one, Michigan. Number two, Washington. Number three, Texas, number four, Alabama, and number five, Florida State. Those are your five highest ranked conference champions. They would have all had automatic bids in the 12 team playoff. Then you would have had your seven non conference champions, the at large bids, if you will. Number six, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Missouri, Penn State, and we forgot about Missouri, Dak. Ole Miss and Oklahoma would have been the seven remaining bids. Notre Dame was number 16 in the final ranking, so they would have been out. And as an independent, they don't play a full conference schedule. They can only secure an at-large bid. They can't get in thanks to not playing in a conference championship game, which, you know what? Hot take. 
good. Good. Punish Notre Dame for not being in a conference. Because it's ridiculous that they're not in one. It's ridiculous that they just get away with doing whatever they want to do because they're Notre Dame. I think it's dumb. So yeah, they get punished for not playing a conference championship, for not playing a true conference schedule. So I like that. So that would have been your playoff last year. Could you imagine? Michigan, Washington, Texas, Bama all get a bye. Florida State hosting Oklahoma. You would have had Georgia hosting Ole Miss, Ohio State, and Penn State, and Oregon, Missouri. That would have been awesome. So the 12-team playoff has a chance to be really good. But it's just going to take a little bit to figure it all out. And at the end of the day, guess who gets in? Guess what the playoff committee does and what their main focus is? We've talked about this. It's about that money, man. They want to make the most money possible. What teams are going to make them the most money? That's what the college football playoff's all about. We'll talk about that some more. Some college basketball plus Double D joins us coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this sunny, beautiful day in the Auburn Opelika area as we get underway in hour number two here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you. If you missed any of hour number one, you can go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at our station website over at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Talked a lot of college basketball on hour number one. Also, just talked a lot about the college football playoff changes there in hour number one as well. And uh, the 5 plus 7 model that has been adapted or adopted, whatever the word is, in college football for the 12-team playoff and how that's going to look you're going to have the five highest rated conference champions and then the seven at large and so uh, that's a lot of conversation interested to hear what Daryl has to say because double d Daryl Daprich will be joining us coming up in just about 10 minutes or so Uh, so we'll have him join us we'll talk college football college basketball maybe even a little college baseball as well we'll have Daryl for 30 minutes with us here in hour number two as we do each and every Tuesday until then phone lines are still open so Give me a call. Would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Whatever you want to talk about, your thoughts on this new playoff system, Auburn basketball, Auburn baseball, whatever it is. Would love to get your thoughts on it. And 
I know yesterday we got a lot of the Auburn-Kentucky conversation. A lot of emotion in this studio. Uncle T-Bone was all sorts of fired up, and you guys were as well, our listeners, and rightfully so. But we have to find a way, and not us, Auburn and Bruce Pearl have to find a way to bounce back, move on, and learn from this because that's what great teams do. That's what championship level teams and programs do. And it feels like at times Auburn hasn't done that. And there's a lot of teams that don't do that, and there's that's why there's not a lot of teams that win national championships. But a game like this where you come into it and you're so – hyped up and the and the town is going crazy in a good way everybody's excited everybody's fired up ready for Auburn and Kentucky once again and then you just fall flat on your face we mentioned yesterday how that's a that's a gut punch to this program and for those of you that disagree I'd love to hear why you disagree but I just think it is I think it's a huge shot to the face right, to this Auburn program who didn't perform well a week ago against Florida, but then you come back and you're playing extremely well against South Carolina, and you have a chance to get a big-time win on your home floor once again, something that you've done pretty much every time you had the opportunity. And this isn't just another team. This isn't Alabama, right? This isn't your biggest rival, This isn't the team that you want to beat in every single sport. Auburn fans care about Kentucky in one sport and one sport only. And that's college basketball. That's what everybody cares about Kentucky in. Nobody really cares about the Cats around here besides college basketball and John Calipari. So you had that opportunity. You had the chance to do that and beat them again. You've had pretty good success against the Cats, especially inside of Neville Arena. But you not only didn't win, you looked terrible doing it. And you let a Kentucky team and a Kentucky program that, by their standards, is down this year, by their standards, is not as good as it should be, and I agree with that. You let them come in here, not even play all that great, and still beat you. That's a problem. That's a big, big problem. And... It was the same problems on this team, this current Auburn team, that have beaten them before this season that got them in trouble again on Saturday. Poor shooting, poor decision-making, settling for bad shots, not forcing turnovers, not hitting free throws, doing all those things. That's what got you in trouble again on Saturday. And so I ask you this question, and I just kind of throw this question out into the wind, Does this team get better? Do they fix these things as of today on February 20th of the season? You know me. I subscribe to the line of thinking of you are who you are. Not necessarily in November. Maybe not even in December. Maybe not even in January. But late February, when we are three weeks away from Selection Sunday... Yeah, I kind of believe that you are who you are. And what this Auburn team is, is really good or really bad. And yeah, Saturday was really bad. I think 
probably 12 out of the 14 teams in the SEC would have beaten Auburn on Saturday. If they had walked in that building and Auburn played the way they played, I think 12 teams out of this conference would have beat you. I think the only ones that probably wouldn't have are Vanderbilt and maybe Missouri. Because they're the bottom two teams in the conference. That talented Arkansas team that, for whatever reason, hasn't figured it out, they would have beaten Auburn on Saturday. Georgia? Probably. LSU? Good chance. A&M? The way that Buzz Williams has, has Bruce's number over the past? You bet. And from there on out, every team would have beaten Auburn on Saturday. That can't happen. That can't happen. Because at this point, Auburn's still fighting for a top four seed in the SEC tournament, and they're also still fighting for a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. And we know how important that is. We know how important it is to have a top four seed in the NCAA tournament to where you play one of those bottom tier teams. Yeah, they're still good enough to make the tournament, but you're playing one of those automatic bids from one of those conferences that most people never even heard of doesn't mean you can't lose doesn't mean you gotta you can roll in there and just play nonchalant and hope it works out but you'd much rather be playing a 13 seed than a seven or eight seed right you don't want to be in that forbidden five and 12 matchup i promise you that that's the biggest upset in the sport in in, in the ncaa tournament the 5-12 and the 4-13. So Auburn's already kind of borderline on that. But a top four seed I think is really important. And Auburn still has that to play for. You have that to play for down the stretch in the SEC, and you have that to play for when it comes to the SEC tournament, where Auburn very well could get hot, and Auburn very well could win the SEC tournament. And for some people, the SEC tournament means a lot more to them. Others, it's the regular season tournament or the regular season title, excuse me. Either way, Auburn's still fighting for both, and they're still alive for both. But they've got to find a way to overcome it. And now, and we're going to talk about this with Daryl coming up in a few minutes, now you have to overcome an injury to Jalen Williams. And we don't know how long he's going to be out. They say it's not season-ending, but okay, what does that mean? Is it a game or two, or is it until the NCAA tournament. Is it a month from now? I don't know. We're going to find out. But I've seen people, and I believe T-Bone brought this up yesterday, there's been a lot of people that have called this what you would be a blessing in disguise, if you will, of of maybe maybe this is what Auburn needs to, to really figure it out, to blossom in a different way, and then you bring in Jalen and this team will be really, really good. Very, very well could. You very well could. And I look at guys like CBM. I look at guys like Chad Baker Mazzara. And I look at guys like Chaney Johnson that have to step up here down the stretch for those things to happen. Let's get to the phone lines here for just a couple of minutes. 334-321-1390. Mark, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, guys. How's it going, Jacob? Doing all right, man. What can I do for you? All right. So, uh got a couple of real quick things. One thing I would like to see, and we may get to see some of this, is to go with uh, go either super big or super small. Have yeah. Johnson, Cardwell, and Broom in the lineup against some team at the same time. Mm-hmm. Or just have Broom or Cardwell and go super small. 
you know, I'd like to see that. Maybe not for the whole game, just to give another look. Yeah, I, I like that. And then the other thing that you just talked about, you know, we were talking about the four and five. Really, realistically, you would think there's not a whole lot of difference between a four and a five C because they're going to play each other in the second round, correct? Uh, the, the four and five seeds, yeah, they. I'm pretty sure yeah. they're on a collision course. Yes, they, they play each other because you, you match it up one, eight, seven, you know, two, seven, off. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's what I was thinking about when you were talking about the seeding just now. I think the NC, I think the tournament committee has a really tough time with the 11 through, you know, 15 seeds. Now, the 16, yeah, I get it. That's the conference tournament winners that maybe have a losing record or, you know, close to even. Right. But it's kind of hard, I think, for them to see, you know, from 11 to 15. And I think that's why you might see so many upsets in the past at 5 through 12. Now, when I pick the 12s, of course, they're not going to win. So <laughs> That's right. You know, that's, that's, the right. Way it, that's the way it always falls when I'm trying to pick my bracket. But, uh, you know, it just got me to thinking how hard it must be to – because you don't really have a lot to go on because a lot of these people don't see those teams. They're mm-hmm. not on television. Right. You know, they may see a couple of games and, and that's it. So I'm just curious what they would go by, you know, when trying to match those teams up. Yeah, I mean, you know, just just looking at bracketology right now with Auburn's full region of the East. I mean, Auburn has a four seed, but in there you've got Colorado State as a six seed, Nevada as a ten seed, Colgate as a fifteen, Indiana State as a twelve, App State as a thirteen that Auburn is currently matched up with. Heyo, right? Just all those different teams yeah. that not a lot of people. You're right, Mark. That not a lot of people watch or know about. But hey. That's what the tournament committee gets paid to do, and they've they've got a formula for it when it comes to strength of record and schedule and all that type of stuff. But it's definitely not an easy job, right? And you can make the you know, like you said, the formula and all that. You can make it say what it wants. And I would like to know, you know, I know Joe Lenardi likes to put his out, and CBS likes to put theirs out. I would like, you know, and it's interesting for us to read, but it's just like the rankings, you know, in weeks one through what, six in football, it doesn't really mean a whole lot right. until it until it gets down. I'd like to know, you know, just out of curiosity, how accurate he actually is. Now, I get it with the one, twos, and threes. You know, he's probably pretty close on that. But anyway, just some food for thought. Yeah, Have I appreciate you. Enjoy the show. Thanks so much, Mark. I appreciate you, man. 334-321-1390. And I'll say this before we get to break and we'll get Daryl in here. What Lenardi does, as far as I'm concerned, and from what I've always read and heard about him, is he releases his bracketology based off of what he thinks the tournament committee is going to do based off of their algorithm and their, you know, however they want to do it, their formula, right? And this is what it would look like if it ended right now. If this was the bracket that got released, this is what it would look like based off of what who is anticipated to win the conference and win their championships and with the records and strength of all that, right? That's that's what most of these folks are trying to do, and that's why he updates it so much because he's adjusting it with the games that are played. So, yeah, it's interesting, but how about that? Auburn and App State in the latest bracketology today. 
Auburn up against App State in round one. Does that excite you or would that maybe scare you? I don't know. I'll leave that up to the Auburn fans to decide. We'll take our first break. We ran late. We got to get to it. We'll have Double D, Daryl Dapperich join us when we come back. We'll talk football, basketball, baseball, everything under the sun with Double D when we come back here on ESPN 1067. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. It is that time. It is Tuesday in hour number two, which means we get to have a wonderful visit with Double D, Daryl Dapperts, the Montgomery radio legend himself, joining us on the phone lines. Daryl, great to hear from you, man. Hope all is well. Man, things are going great. Uh, just really a fun time to talk Auburn athletics with basketball getting close to March Madness, baseball really heating up on the plains, a little softball action. It's just it's just fun. Women's basketball, Johnny Harris has them playing better. Uh, it's just uh, a fun time, and it's a great time to, to get into, uh, you know, this time of year, this season of Auburn athletics. Well, we've got so many things to get to, and we've got you for the next couple of segments here on the show. We appreciate you joining us, as always. Let's start with baseball. We'll kind of get mm-hmm. off to to a start with the baseball side of things as the Tigers had opening weekend against Eastern Kentucky. Uh, they take care of business, had a little bit of everything, Daryl. The bats were working, the pitching looked really good, and the Tigers are 3-0 and before hosting UAB tonight. Yeah, you know, it's a nice thing to go ahead and sweep. I remember last year, just Auburn seemed to have a, a really – Hard time getting that elusive third game after winning the first two. They won a lot of series last year, but you know, even against Indiana and some of those early non-conference, they just could not close out on Sunday afternoon. And Auburn did a really good job of doing that uh, this last weekend over Eastern Kentucky. Was very impressed. You know, the, let's talk about the arms first of all. Joseph Gonzalez comes back. It's going to take him a little while to get the velocity where it needs to be, but gets a lot of ground balls, which he's a ground ball pitcher. Uh, Carson Myers, the kid from UAB, the lefty, what a great debut he had. Very, very important that Auburn has a Sunday starter that if you are either going for the series win or the series sweep, if it's that rubber game or if it's that game that you want to get, you know, the sweep, to have a guy like like Carson Myers throwing uh, on – game you know day three is big mm-hmm. and then i think the guys that we kind of expected to show up did um you know the ike irish is the stanfields bobby pierce but i was very very impressed with newcomer Derek fabian the kid from florida he hit the ball real well i just think like ike irish is that dude he's special and now he showed some pop this year so far early on last year he was a line drive hitter sprayed it all over the yard great average He's hitting the ball 420-430 over that batting eye in center field. He adds that to his game uh, and gives power, more left-handed power, along with Cooper McMurray. This team's going to be very, very special. Love what I see uh, early on, and the bullpen looked good. So, you know, so far so good. Tonight, big game against UAB. You know, it's funny, Jacob, Auburn for some reason has always struggled against UAB midweek. Yeah. It's just one of those games like a trap game. And – um you know from calling baseball and college playing calling college baseball a team like Troy mm-hmm. you know they go in and, and they, when they've played Auburn or Alabama midweek it's because typically your your Auburn or Alabamas or your bigger schools don't throw one of their top three starters and the and the smaller school does so it should be a it should be a good challenge tonight 
Faraba, we'll see what they do over at Plainson Park, 6 p.m. first pitch. I'm sure everybody will want to tune in to our good friend Andy Bertram and Brad Law. Hear it that way, man. Yeah, and that's the thing is I was talking about it a little bit earlier on the show, Daryl, and it was last year where Auburn it seemed to be struggling in the midweek games, especially when conference play rolled around because of how tough SEC play is anyway. But you start playing all these nice programs in the state of Alabama, the Samfords and South Alabama, Troy, Alabama State's on the schedule too. Like Those are not easy outs on a Tuesday or Wednesday night where you're absolutely right. They're coming in to win and Auburn or Alabama has to try to save some arms and save some bats and stuff like that, but yet they've got to play a little bit to try to get a win in the midweek. Baseball is the great equalizer more than any other sport between the between the power programs and the group of fives and the mid-majors, however you want to call it with baseball. And the reason is what you just mentioned. It's, it's midweek, you're saving arms, but if you have a stud, if you have a stud pony on the mound, and a lot of these smaller schools, like San Diego State had Strasburg, Evansville had Andy Bennis. You get that one dude who's a potential first or second round pick, and you throw him against Florida State, you know, Auburn, Alabama, whatever. They win. They can win the game. And I remember seeing this when I was younger, and I lived out in Arizona. Arizona University of Arizona has won like four national championships. Very decorated you know, program, College World Series, and they go to Omaha a lot. They won four national championships. In the 80s, I would go to the games in high school, and midweek, a school like Grand Canyon would beat them. And I'd be like, what the heck? How does that happen? <laughs> well, they had a dude that, you know, got drafted in the second round that threw about 97. Yep. And it's just, it's it's the only sport you can't, you won't see that in football, and you very rarely, you see it in basketball some, but on a consistent basis, Baseball's the sport. If you've got that dude that can throw it, doesn't matter, not a position player, but a guy that takes the bump that that's a first or second round pick, they can beat you. They can upset you. And, uh, you know, we've seen that time and time again. I mean, Hawaii just beat Ole Miss this week. I mean, I think won the series. Did you stay Hawaii? up for that one, Darrell? It was like 4 a.m. when not. the result I, I, went I, live. I, I wanted to because I hate <laughs> Ole Miss so much. But it, <laughs> It would have made me feel better after the basketball festivities on the weekend, but yeah, it's um, it can happen, and it you know I know Southern Miss beat Mississippi State last year, so it's just one of those things. It happens, man, and that's the the beauty of college baseball and baseball in general. It doesn't matter what level it is. And while Auburn has UAB tonight, you can catch the radio broadcast with Andy Burcham and those guys, Brad Law, over on the Auburn Sports Network on our sister station, Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com. They'll go on the air about 545 with first pitch set for 6 o'clock. This weekend, Auburn's really going to figure it out and figure it out early in the Jacks College Baseball Classic, number 18 Iowa, Wichita State, and number 10 Virginia, Daryl. That's as good as it gets in a three-game set. Yeah, it is. And this is, you know, they did something similar to this when they played out in Dallas or Arlington a couple of years ago. Or uh, it was last year they started the season out there uh, early on. It, yeah, I mean, I think this is the first time Auburn's played Virginia in any collegiate activity since the double dribble. Am I right? I uh, think it is. I, I think, don't think, yeah, I think so. Well, so for me, I'm throwing at somebody first pitch just to set the, set the top. <laughs> just right? to let them know. Just to get the, just to say, you know what? You screwed us out of a national championship appearance. I'm buzzing the tower here. No, I'm just it. joking. No one will do that. It. But I think that uh, Iowa is a good little program in the Big Ten. You know, again, it's how baseball's changed. It used to be 
that these northern schools really didn't get going until March because the weather was so cold. Big Ten schools, northeast schools, now they're starting early because the coaches figured out, no, we're going to play in February like the SEC and the Pac-12 because it hurts us come regional time to not do that. So they're not playing at home, but these northern schools from the Big Ten and from the Big East and places like that, they go play in all these tournaments in warm weather and get in 20 games before they play a home game in March in frigid temperatures that are like 35, 40 degrees. So it's just completely changed. You never would see an Iowa early in the year being ranked, you know, in years past. You did with Michigan because they had Barry Larkin and Jim Abbott. They had some players. Uh, Seton Hall had Craig Biggio and oh, yeah. Mo Vaughn. There you, you know, go. I mean, they, they just – but it's just – it's rare. And now, because coaches figured out, you know, we're going to go down south and play in all these tournaments or out west, um, they, they're they're – more to be reckoned with early on, and it helps them. You see a lot of teams now in the College World Series in Omaha from north of the Mason-Dixon line that you never used to see in the 80s. You just didn't. But now, you know, it's how baseball's grown. It's really how baseball's grown, and it's, I, I like it. I like that there's more regions of the country that are represented. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it, and I think any – college baseball fan has to love it because now yeah you get to go to these these tournaments early in the year and you get to play an Iowa who's ranked and you play a Virginia who's ranked you play these other teams and and look Daryl win or lose it makes you a better team it's going to help you come tournament time and come postseason because it it doesn't benefit you to beat up on a bad Big Ten team that hasn't doesn't even care about the game right it doesn't benefit you there and so uh, I think it's good for Auburn I think it's good for for college baseball and again Auburn hosting UAB tonight over at Plainsman Park and then this weekend in the Jacks College Baseball Classic number 18 Iowa then Wichita State the Iowa game Friday Wichita State Saturday and Virginia on Sunday all of that taking place down in Jacksonville Florida Daryl when we come back we're going to talk about basketball unfortunately we got to go to it we got to talk about it from Saturday as Auburn fell to Kentucky we'll talk about that plus the college football playoff changes that were happening today and approved today all that coming up Daryl hang on with us man we'll get to you and we'll have it when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, and we are joined, continuing to be joined by Double D, Daryl Dapperts with us on the phone lines. Daryl, plug everything you got going on, where the people can find you, especially that X account where you are becoming pretty popular on the internet, man. Yeah, you can follow me on XDAP6410. I love interacting with Auburn fans and people that watch and listen to Locked on Auburn during games, after games. It's always fun. And then on Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm on Locked on Auburn with Zach Blackerby. And then we do 
post games, uh, live uh, post game uh, shows right after Auburn basketball games. Obviously, there will not be one tomorrow night since there's no game, but we'll be back at it on Saturday. Yes, well, uh, unfortunately, um, the the reactions after this past Saturday were they were warranted by Auburn fans, but it was uh, it's been a, a crazy couple of days here, and I'm sure on Locked On Auburn and everywhere that covers Auburn athletics when it comes to the Auburn and Kentucky game on Saturday. I know it's been a couple of days. We've had some time to kind of kind of take it all in and break it down on a deeper level, but Daryl, break it down, man. What? What in the world happened to Auburn on Saturday when Kentucky and John Calipari came in and reminded everybody just who they were? Yeah, that's the thing. I, you know, I, I typically don't pay attention to uh, from when we're doing the show, you know, YouTube comments, chat things. I love interacting once the show's over with, but it, it, it just blew my mind. I, two points. Number one, I think that some Auburn fans got really upset. Me and Zach took a completely different approach to this, and it was it was organic and it was natural and it was exactly how we felt. Zach felt like that game said more about Auburn than it did Kentucky. It mm-hmm. felt like Auburn was the reason more than Kentucky that Auburn lost that game. And I feel like sometimes we just deal in too many absolutes, like it's this or that. But I believe that, and I always have believed, that two things can be true at one time. And I believe that Auburn made some mistakes and had some self-inflicting wounds and made some silly turnovers and, you know, continued to shoot threes when they shouldn't have shot threes and, you know, just did, played sloppy. But I do believe that a lot of that can be attributed to giving credit to the way Kentucky played. And I'm here to tell you that I've watched Kentucky play a lot of games this year, and when they are engaged and they have your attention – meaning they're locked in and they are playing for with something to prove. They are very, very difficult to beat. Now, they did not guard until the Ole Miss game, which was the game before Auburn. And when I saw that game, in my mind, I still thought Auburn was going to win double digits. But I thought, hmm, Auburn's going to have to score a little bit more than I thought they were. They're going to have to be a little bit crisper on offense because Kentucky looks engaged defending. And I think that early on, going through ball screens, over-rotating, switching. Kentucky disrupted Auburn's flow. Auburn panicked, started chucking up threes, went away from the inside game, points in the paint, and all the metrics and all the variables when Auburn wins went out the window. Now, Kentucky fans, if they're out there listening, I, I got something for them, they got upset because they said, oh, yeah, He's saying Auburn's that good, that Kentucky had their attention, that you know they were engaged because Auburn's that good. Yes. Let, 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 let me remind Kentucky yes. that at that point in the year, Auburn was ranked higher, had more wins, was, was higher in the SEC standings, had beaten Kentucky the last three times on Auburn's floor, and oh, by the way, the last time they met in the national tournament, in the NCAA tournament, with a final four bid on the line, Auburn beat Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So yes, Kentucky had Auburn had Kentucky's attention. I know the arrogance of the blue blood status is how would lowly Auburn ever be a big game to Kentucky? Well, it was, and it was to your coach <laughs> who made it like it was their biggest game of the year too. So you know, both fan bases had a really distorted view. I think of what happened. I think Kentucky had a big part and why Auburn played the way they did. I'm not saying it falls solely on Kentucky. I think Auburn, like I said, did some things as well, self-inflicted. But Kentucky 
guarded better, played better, and shot a completely better shooting percentage than Auburn did and out-rebounded Auburn. Should and you know something I've I've mentioned and I want to get your thoughts on this. It's the the inconsistencies for me, Daryl. Right, because you you look back a week ago on Saturday and Auburn played terrible on the road at Florida. Then they come back home and they have one of the biggest wins numerically in program history against South Carolina, beating them by forty points on the number eleven team in the country. And then you come back on Saturday. And you just played terrible again. You played worse than you did in the Florida game, I think. And and you let Kentucky come in and beat you on your home floor. So is this concerning to you? I mean, is this something that we think is going to be a trend down the stretch? Because it is late February. There's not a whole lot more time to change. And you've got a significant injury to this basketball team. I think the thing that's concerning to me is all to this point to Saturday, up until Saturday, I couldn't have made any you know, I couldn't have been upset or felt like made a case that Auburn shouldn't have lost the games they lost. Like, they could have won those games, but I couldn't make a case that that's just unacceptable. Baylor, on the road at App State, hard to get up for a mid-major, yeah. at Alabama, at Florida. I, you know, I, I get it. I mean, th- those games at Mississippi State, maybe the Mississippi State game, there's no excuse for that, but the rest of them, there's a case to be made that I didn't have that much of a problem with those other four or five losses. They they, they seem like they kind of fit the, the narrative. This one, Saturday, absolutely not. No excuse. The way Kentucky was playing, I don't care if they did defend better and did guard better. The way Kentucky was playing, especially at their home arena, in the, Auburn, the way Auburn plays at home, I just think that Auburn should have been able to figure it out. Now, you mentioned the Jalen Williams thing. When he got hurt, I think Auburn was down six and was making a little run. I felt like here they come, you know, and I think that there was that completely let the air out of the balloon that you could just the life went out of that arena. No doubt. I think that maybe they could have made a run with Jalen Williams if he would have gotten it going, you know, the last seven or eight minutes like he's capable of. So, yeah, there is a concern. There's a concern they lost at home. And there's a concern that for the next two weeks they'll be without arguably their most complete player, although he hadn't showed up at all in the last two games. And, well, the last two of the last three, Florida and Kentucky, and needs to. The best news you could have heard was that Jalen Williams is going to be back in two weeks. So what you try to do is keep your head above water over the next four games probably that he's going to miss. And you try to go two and two, three and one and then get him back for that last game against Georgia and maybe close that out on senior day and head into the SEC tournament. Auburn can still finish this thing up 3-2, and 4-1 and one down the stretch, have 13 wins, 14 wins in the SEC, and go into the NCAA tournament as a 3 or 4 seed. And if they do that, it's going to be a big difference. But what I've got to see and what I'm still concerned is I'm not seeing the guard play. That needs to be there and anytime you're in a postseason tournament whether it's the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament you've got to have better guard play and Auburn's guards have regressed maybe maybe with Williams being out someone will be forced to step up and get in that vacuum and create some scoring and then that would bode well for Auburn as they come down the stretch here. 
the question then becomes, Daryl, who, right? I mean, it, you haven't seen it from any guard consistently to step up and be that guy. We've seen the flashes from Aiden Holloway all the way back in the beginning. Uh, you can see the flashes from Trey Donaldson when he is not turning it over and making the right plays, and he's a heck of a shooter when he gets going. Denver Jones, same way. I mean, he's aggressive, has a really beautiful shot from behind the arc, and Katie Johnson's the biggest wild card ace up the sleeve that anybody's ever seen, but who is it if it's a guard that steps up and I mean who can do it on a consistent basis I don't know I don't either I mean uh, the four guards between Denver Jones Katie Johnson Trey Donaldson Aiden Holloway uh, there hasn't been anybody that has done it consistently there you've seen flashes and fortunately for Auburn early on you saw flashes it was somebody on a different night one night KD would go off one night Trey Donaldson would have a good game early in the season it'd be Aiden Holloway Heck, Denver Jones even had that one really impressive game where he came out came out a little bit. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because the front court was so good that the back court just said, oh, we, we just got to take care of the ball, distribute the basketball, get it to our big. Now, with Williams out, they're maybe going to have to say, we got to score. We're going to have to fill this void. Now, if you shoot it 30 times from behind the three-point line, you're trying to score. I, I don't know, at some point, Bruce is wonderful. He's a player's coach. He gives them freedom. I'd like to see him rein that freedom in a little bit. If they if he sees the trend that they're two of their first fifteen, don't shoot it fifteen more times from behind the three right. point line. Oh. Maybe shoot it two or three more times because you know shoot it two or three more times. And if you hit a couple, then then okay, we're but but it's just too much of a trend. And I don't you know you can go to the free throw line and make up points that way. And, you know, I just – Kentucky got physical with Auburn, and Auburn's usually not wanting to get bullied. And I think Kentucky got real physical and, and took Auburn out of its game a little bit and its offensive flow. I suspect Saturday we will see one of the best fundamental games. It may not be pretty, and Auburn may have to win an ugly one on the road at Georgia Saturday. But I think fundamentally, defensively, not turning it over, simplifying things, trying to work the ball into the paint and go to the free throw line. I think you'll see that Saturday against Georgia. Really? Okay. Okay. Well, um, it's going to be interesting, and thankfully, I think uh, it came maybe a, a week or two too late, but Auburn does get that midweek off, right? They don't have the midweek game this week, and they do travel to Georgia this Saturday. We're talking with Double D and Daryl Daprich here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm going to tell you a stat about this Auburn team. Okay. In a 9-4 nine, nine and four conference record, so 13 conference games, Daryl, only two of those games out of 13 have been single-digit results, the game at Alabama and at Mississippi State. What that tells me is this is an inconsistent Auburn team. They're either going to win by a lot or they're going to lose by a lot. And that just kind of blew my mind when I discovered that live on the show today that out of 13 conference games, only two of them have been single-digit results. Yeah, the Kentucky game kind of felt like it was. I think they got it to within six with about a minute, or mm-hmm. with eight with about a minute and a half to go. And then they called that phantom foul on Janai Broom when Auburn was trying to get it to five or whatever. I mean, you know. So, yeah, I think that we've been talking all year. What you just said is amazing, but the other part of that is, is Auburn hasn't won a game in single digits yet. Yeah. Have it not even, I mean, non conference or conference has not shown the propensity to, to, to win a close game. That concerns me when you get to the SEC tournament on a neutral floor, and you probably are going to have to. 
maybe Saturday is the time. Maybe Saturday on the road against Georgia, ugly game, muck it up a little bit, and win by four or five. I don't care. You just want to get out of there with a W. It reminds me of the 2019 team that was floundering a little bit, and Chuma hit a big three. Auburn wins the on the road against Georgia and did not mm-hmm. lose again until Virginia. So, you know, it can happen. Uh, I, I want to see them win a close game. Doesn't even have to be on the road. Want to see them win a close game so they know that come tournament time, if they have to, they can. And I think they're going to have chances to do that. Playing Georgia twice, Mississippi State, and at Tennessee, yeah. Auburn's going to be playing in some close games, I have a feeling. And you're absolutely right. They've got to find a way to do it with tournament time just around the corner. Before we let you go, Daryl, we are one week away from Auburn football spring practice beginning, man. Crazy that it's already here, Mm -hmm. but we've got so many big storylines and things going into the spring window. Uh, Should be a lot of fun with spring practice getting going a week from today. Yeah, Zach and I are going to do more of those shows on location. Uh, we're, I'm going to come to a couple of spring practices. Right. Uh, I think probably next Thursday, the, the February 29th practice, I'll be at that one, and we'll just record the Friday show live from there like we do with that, the Senior Bowl. But I want to lay my eyes more on some practices in the spring than I was able to do last year. So we'll be doing that. I'll be joining Zach at some spring viewing windows, and then we'll be doing some shows. From now, I think it's going to be interesting. I want to see the emergence of, you know, Peyton Thorne from once we never got to see him go through spring last year, uh, and I want to see what kind of push, what kind of pass rush the defensive line can get in the rotation. I wonder at some point when spring's through, I think Auburn will go to the portal to get an edge rusher or two, and I think you know we'll, that'll be glaring that they need to do that coming out of spring, especially after a day. And I think they're going to go and get numerous guys out of the portal on different, many different positions. And and look, there's still a large group of the fan base, Daryl, that thinks Auburn still needs to go get a quarterback in the portal after the spring. And maybe we'll have they an could. answer to that. Yeah, there's a couple names that are very interesting that could pop up that are graduating in the spring. So Uh-oh. we'll see. Uh-oh. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know. I know what Hugh Free says. I know what he keeps saying. But what happens if... Peyton Thorne looks less than stellar in mm. the spring. What you know, if he if he plays lights out in a day and really looks like he's got command of the offense and you freeze calling plays makes that big of a difference and having receivers that are talented in the receiving room, all those things, and it makes him elevate his game. Then maybe not. But you know, I, I'm still not 100 percent sold that they won't dip into the portal for a quarterback either. I think it still might happen. Those all those conversations starting to come back up. That's about to be that time of year again, and I'm so excited for it. Daryl, I know you are as well, and our listeners are as well. We appreciate you, man. Again, plug everything one more time. Daryl Dapperts, Double D, with us here every Tuesday during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Follow me on Twitter or xdap6410. Wednesdays and Fridays, Locked on Auburn with Zach Blackerby. With you on Tuesday afternoons, our good friend Ben Taylor on Monday mornings. And then post-game, all Auburn post-game shows for basketball, we go live. Mm. Hey, enjoy your week off, and uh, you'll have a show coming up Saturday with Zach on, on Locked on Auburn for Auburn and Georgia, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday right here on ESPN. 
All right, brother. Have a great week. Thanks so much. That's Daryl Dapperts with us each and every week, Tuesday afternoons from 315 to 345. We go a little late, but that's okay. We always have a good time talking with Double D. So we appreciate him. Great guy. A great guest. Even better friend. And we appreciate him and his time each and every single week. We'll take our final break. Come back and wrap it up here on ESPN 1067. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. We appreciate Daryl Dappert being with us as he is every Tuesday. So much fun talking with him for 30 minutes each and every Tuesday. We could talk to him for the entire two hours, but uh, he does have a job and a life and, you know, that's how it is. But we do appreciate him and his 30 minutes each and every week and uh, we're excited talking baseball, basketball, football, all things Auburn with Double D each and every Tuesday. So we had him on the show today. We've talked a lot of Auburn basketball. We talked the college football playoff, um, the announcement that they made going it is still a 12 team playoff but they're making it the five plus seven model which is the five highest rated or ranked I should say conference champions and then the seven other best teams highest ranked in the polls so that is what's going that's how it's going to look moving forward in the college football playoffs so we will talk more about that tomorrow Uncle T-Bone will be with us as well. Uh, He'll be in the studio. We'll have Jordan Hill of Dogs247 get some thoughts and updates from him when it comes to, oh, just kidding. No, we won't. Jordan Hill got married. Jordan Hill will not be with us tomorrow. He got married on Friday, so he is not with us. Apologies. He He's on his honeymoon and decided not to join us instead, and he's going to be with his with his wife and you know enjoy his time off. Well, whatever. How selfish of them. No, I'm just kidding. Jordan Hill will not be with us tomorrow, so a full two hours with me and Uncle T-Bone. We'll have so much to get to on the show tomorrow, and as we wrap things up, I just tuned in during the break over on 96.3 W. Lee. Good buddy of mine, Jack Hutton, uh, wrapping up the Auburn High School broadcast as the girls and boys teams were up in the Elite Eight up in Birmingham. The Auburn High girls heading to the Final Four. They win their game. They will move on to the Final Four next week. That'll be in Birmingham. believe that's going to be played at the BJCC. Uh, So congratulations to the Auburn High School Lady Tigers. Uh, But the Auburn High boys just lost in a heartbreaker. I believe they lost by a possession. Had a shot at the end and unable to uh, to get the tiebreaker and get into overtime so the Auburn High School boys will fall short in the Elite Eight and um, I know that's a it's a bittersweet thing when you have one team get there and one team not when one team moves on and the other does not um, it, it is a bittersweet thing and in my time at least Scott I've had that as well so I totally get it and uh, Jack does such a wonderful job with Auburn High School we appreciate him and doing that and so the Auburn High girls though are moving on to the final four so congratulations to them boys had a wonderful year uh, but they do fall short in the Elite Eight so we'll get you some updated times and stuff for that when uh, when we get it on days and times for the Auburn High School girls, they'll be in the Final Four. And then for the other school that we cover, Lee Scott, the team that I call for, our basketball season's done. Reminder, our girls were state runner-ups. Boys were state champs, so that's always fun. And then baseball season is underway. Jack's got softball coming up for Auburn High on Thursday. Baseball coming up next week between him and Scott Bagwell. They'll be tag-teaming that. So all sorts of great things coming up on our family of stations. And tonight, over on Wings, 94-3 and wingsfm.com auburn university baseball hosting uab in the midweek the first midweek of the season 
It won't be easy. That's a good, tough UAB squad, man. They come to Plainsman Park. First pitch set for 6 p.m. The boys at the Auburn Sports Network will go live at 5.45. Andy Birch and Brad Law will be on the call, so be sure you tune in or go out and check it out. Should be a good game tonight. Hopefully it doesn't get too cold out there, but if you want to hang out and listen to it from home, in the car, in the shop, wherever, Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com. That's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate you being with me. Thank you so much. It's been a fun two hours. Always flies by when we step in here. We'll have a great show for you tomorrow as well. Uncle T-Bone will be with me talking basketball, football, whatever else you want to talk about. And you can come in and be on the line calling in each and every day. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.